0: Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. This is a place to get equipped to make a difference for the kingdom of God. So get ready to be empowered by this message. All right, let's continue this series, Knowing the Holy Spirit. We talk a lot about spiritual gifts and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Both of those things are great and they're very important. But what we're focusing on in this series is building our relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is with us in everything we do. He's with us everywhere we go. He knows us inside and out, but do we know him? When it comes to the Holy Spirit, he's one of three things to you. He's either a mysterious colleague, (laughs) that person you have to work with. You know he's got to be around, but you don't really want to spend time with him. An inspiring celebrity or an inseparable friend. And no matter where you are right now, if you engage with this this series, you'll come to know the Holy Spirit as an inseparable friend. You'll get closer to him through this series. So how do you build this friendship? You spend time getting to know each other. And so in part one of this series, two weeks ago, we answered the question. We said, hey, Holy Spirit, what do you do for a living? Because that's a question we often ask people whenever we first meet them. And Ephesians chapter one reveals that he is the seal of our salvation and the down payment of our inheritance So, y'all, you've been stamped with the Holy Spirit. You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. And here's what that means. It declares three things about you. One, your salvation is authentic and genuine. Number two, you are owned by God Almighty. And number three, you carry the authority of Jesus Christ. That's all done when you get stamped with the Holy Spirit. But he's also the down payment of our inheritance. Well, what is our inheritance? It's the fullness of our salvation. In other words, it's heaven. Our inheritance is heaven, eternity with God. And a down payment is what? It's a portion of what's to come. So we've already been given a portion of everything that we're going to have in heaven, but it can only be accessed through the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance. So the measure that we know the Holy Spirit is the measure that we'll live in the benefits of our salvation. Anybody want to access more of the benefits of your salvation? Amen. I do too. So if you ask the Holy Spirit what he did for a living, here's what I believe he would say. He would say, I'm the original fixer-upper, and I'm better than Joanna Gaines. I moved into your spirit, and I made it perfect. My immaculate home in your spirit is the proof of your salvation. God now sees you as his flawless possession, and you can't change that no matter what you do. Now that that's done, I serve as the down payment of your inheritance, and as you allow me, I'll show you what heaven is like. How many of you want to know what heaven is like? I know I do. And the more we know the Holy Spirit, the more we will will experience heaven on earth. And by the way, that is the will of the Father. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? We don't have to wait. As it is in heaven. So let's continue this journey of getting to know the Holy Spirit. So when first getting to know somebody, we tend to use a shortcut. We think of someone that we already know who is similar To this new person that we're trying to get to know, and we use that information and apply it to the new person. For example, when you were new new to no limits, you used information about your previous pastor and you applied it to me. Hopefully your previous pastor was awesome. So gave me a good head start. You didn't have to ask if I prioritized the church. You already knew that, because I'm a pastor. You knew I loved the word of God, you knew I was a leader. You knew I don't have a problem standing up in front of a group and speaking to people? There are many things that you knew about me before you even spent time with me. Why? Because you can use information about people you know who have similar gifts and similar callings and apply it to me. We can do the same thing with the Holy Spirit, and it will be way more accurate than comparing one person to another. Let me show you what I mean in Scripture. In Philippians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul, he's explaining how his imprisonment turned out to be a good thing. How about we send you guys to prison and see if you come with the same conclusion. This is great. It enabled him to share the good news with everybody that was there. That's how he saw it as a good thing. And then he goes on to explain how some people are preaching Christ with pure motives while others are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry. In other words, they just wanted to outdo Paul. Good thing that doesn't go on anymore today. You know that it does. You can find multiple churches in every city that simply just want to outdo the church down the street. And although Paul wasn't a fan of this, take a look at what he says. This is amazing. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 18. But that doesn't matter whether their motives are false or genuine. The message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice, and I will continue to rejoice. That's amazing. This is a little side nugget for you today. Whether a pastor or church has pure motives or not, we should simply Rejoice that the gospel is being preached. Oh, somebody just got an attitude shift. That helped you. Don't get caught up in the error of other churches. Let it go. You're not there. It don't matter. Let it go. And just pray that they grow in their ability to share the good news with others. Amen. Don't ever let me catch you talking about another church because I'll shut it down in an instant. So the Apostle Paul explained that while he was in prison, the other church leaders were out there trying to outdo him. They were probably like, yeah, Apostle Paul's in prison now. I can actually grow my church because he's not here to get in the way. And instead of being upset, he found the good in it. How was he able to do this? Well, he explains it in the next verse. He says, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. I searched all of Philippians for mentions of the Holy Spirit, and this is the one. And it refers to him as the spirit of Jesus Christ. And you're going to understand why today. So Paul knew the outcome of his suffering. Not only was it going to benefit others, but it was going to lead to his deliverance. Did you know the word deliverance here is translated to the word salvation in Ephesians? So what's Paul talking about? The fullness of his salvation. He's talking about heaven. He kept his eyes on his inheritance. He knew it belonged to him and his circumstances couldn't take it away. That's what kept him going. But where did this assurance come from? How was he so sure in that? Well, he told us through what? The prayers of the saints and through the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. Never underestimate the power of prayer, especially when you're praying for your church leaders. The prayers of others kept the apostle Paul strong even while he was in prison. He gave credit to the prayers of others. Many have admired my boldness for the gospel over the past few years, but know this, those of you who are praying for me, you've played a crucial role in everything the Lord has done in my life over the past two years. I couldn't have done it without your prayers. Never stop praying because your prayers are then paired with the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ, and that's where the boldness comes from, to preach Jesus Christ in the midst of suffering and persecution. So what does the verse we just read teach us about the Holy Spirit? It refers to him as the spirit of Jesus Christ. This means we can get to know the Holy Spirit through our knowledge of Christ. It's a shortcut to knowing the Holy Spirit. Just like you got a head start on knowing me through your knowledge of another pastor, we can get to know the Holy Spirit through our knowledge of Jesus Christ. Are they the same person? You're like, trick question, huh? No, they're not, but they're in perfect unity. Remember when Jesus said that he and the Father were one, that he didn't do anything unless the Father revealed it to him first? The same goes for the Holy Spirit. They're on the same page. Take a look at how Jesus explained the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14, verse 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. So the Holy Spirit is on assignment to remind us of the things that who said? Jesus. And within that same teaching moment to the disciples, Jesus gives more clarity about the Holy Spirit. He says, but when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father, he will testify of me. The Holy Spirit reminds us of what Jesus said, and he testifies of Jesus. In other words, the Holy Spirit always leads us closer to Jesus. Sound familiar from our class this morning? Let me drive this point home. The 12 disciples were used to having Jesus in the flesh. Wouldn't that be great? They were strong in their faith as long as they were with him. (laughs) And when Jesus was crucified, they all turned into a bunch of wimps. They went into hiding. (laughs) They didn't regain their boldness until the Holy Spirit came upon them in the day of Pentecost. So having Jesus in the flesh and being filled with the Holy Spirit yield the same result, boldness, and the ability to operate in spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Jesus Christ are in perfect unity. So knowing Jesus gives us perfect insight into knowing the Holy Spirit. Four books of the Bible reveal Jesus. There is no shortage of information if we want to get to know Jesus. We're talking about the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And two years ago, I preached a 16-part series called Different. We went through the book of John, and we got to know the real Jesus, who is different than what most American Christians think he is. It's one of the most impactful series that I've ever done. It was really the launch pad to where we are today. That's what started everything that the Holy Spirit is doing. And if you weren't here at that time, you can go find all those 16 messages on YouTube. Just search for No Limits Church. But I'm going to highlight just five of the many things that we learned about Jesus during that series, because these things will help us know the Holy Spirit. Here's the first one. The Holy Spirit brings us grace, brings grace and truth together. So the woke church embraces grace without truth. They tout forgiveness of sin while telling you to continue in sin. This leads people to a fake version of salvation that denies its power to free you from sin. In contrast, the religious church gives you truth without grace. They hold tight to their rules and regulations, and they lead people to believe that they can earn their salvation through their good works. But Jesus taught us how to bring grace and truth together. They seem like opposites, but they're not. They're actually a perfect pair. He brought us forgiveness of sin, and he brought us freedom from sin. He exposes our wrong behaviors not to shame us, but to set us free. Jesus demonstrated this for us many times. Think about the Samaritan woman at the well. He brought up her dark past, not to shame her, but to lead her into freedom. It is amazing. And then with others, he would heal them first. He would forgive their sins, and then he would tell them to go and sin no more. If you share truth without grace, it leads people into religious bondage. If you extend grace without truth, it keeps people in the bondage of sin. But when grace motivates you to share truth, it leads people to freedom. Here's another way to say it. Grace is the motivator that turns truth into freedom. We admire truth tellers today, but I can tell you this. It better be motivated by grace or it will not lead somebody into freedom. It'll just lead them into another kind of bondage, religious bondage. So the Holy Spirit helps us bring grace and truth together, just like Jesus taught us. And here's the next thing we know about the Holy Spirit because of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is passionate about the church. Have you ever heard somebody say that they don't attend church because they have the Holy Spirit? Maybe you've said it. Don't raise your hand. I agree that the Holy Spirit is our ultimate teacher. He is the one that leads us into all truth. But when someone says the Holy Spirit is leading them to stay out of church, it reveals they're not listening to the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Gotcha. And it's confirmed when they crash and burn just a few minutes later. I mean, just a few months later. I mean, every person I know that stops going to church ends up confused and depressed, and some even leave their faith. It's amazing. It's amazing. In John chapter 2, you'll read about Jesus going into the temple. This is some of your alls favorite story about Jesus. Turning over tables, running people out with a whip. He was upset because the money changers were using God's commandments of sacrifice to take advantage of God's people. And this shocking reaction from Jesus is actually a fulfillment of a prophecy. In John chapter 2, then his disciples remembered this prophecy from the scriptures. passion for God's house will consume me. Jesus is passionate about God's house, which used to be a temple made by human hands, but now God's house is the body of Christ. It's the church. Jesus is passionate about the church. The Holy Spirit is passionate about the church. He is constantly at work bringing the body of Christ together so that we can display the glory of God. So if you tell me that the Holy Spirit is keeping you out of church, I know you are deceived. The Holy Spirit might lead you to a different group of believers, but he will not lead you out of the body of Christ. Why? Because he's passionate about God's house. This means the Holy Spirit will not lead you to a job that interferes with your function in the body of Christ. Oh, did that one hit? He won't tell you to hide in your prayer closet to stay away from all the mean church people. The more you know the Holy Spirit, the more passionate you become about the church. Even in its imperfection, you love it. You just, you love it. You prioritize it. You stick with it, even in the hard seasons. The Holy Spirit is passionately in love with the church. He'll do what it takes to protect it, and he'll run people out with a whip if he needs to. So think twice before you criticize a pastor who's sticking with the truth and runs people off because of it, because there's a good chance the Holy Spirit is at work protecting God's house. That's what was going on here two years ago. If you missed it, I'm sorry. I was motivated by grace to speak the truth, and then the Holy Spirit filled me with boldness to keep on speaking the truth, despite the harsh criticism that I was getting, and now you see the fruit of it. The Holy Spirit was protecting God's house, and now this is a safe place for you to come in and find your function in the body of Christ, because the Holy Spirit was protecting his house. It's amazing. It's amazing. That wasn't me. I was just the vessel. That was the Holy Spirit building up the body of Christ. Now we can actually get something done for the kingdom of God, y'all. Now we can see this scripture come to to pass, Ephesians 4, as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. No Limits Church is healthy and growing and full of love. Here's the next thing we know about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit cringes darkness. That's for my youth in the Word. You guys use the word cringe, right? Okay, see, they're keep they're keeping me young. We lead the youth group too. And then there's all kinds of times that Beth and I are like, okay, what does that mean? What, what they just said. You know, right? The parents of youth. <laughs> what does that mean? So woke Christianity teaches people to tolerate darkness. According to them, homosexuality, promiscuity, greed, jealousy, those are all acceptable behaviors. Just don't worry about it. Yet John chapter 2 refers to Jesus as the light. And then 1 John chapter 1 confirms that God is light and there is no darkness in him at all, none. I got news for you. When When you come to Jesus, like when you come to him for real and you give him your life and he becomes your Lord, your evil deeds are exposed. Woo, the light just came into your life and shined a light on all that stuff. That's why you can't tolerate darkness as a true believer. There's nowhere to hide it, and it drives you crazy. I can't hide this anymore. Here's why living in darkness is so painful after you get saved. Do I got any witnesses in the room? It's painful. Here's why Ephesians chapter 4, And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. So when you practice sexual immorality, you're looking at porn, you're becoming envious of what somebody else has, you're saying stupid things, you're getting drunk, you're watching ungodly TV shows, the Holy Spirit cringes, he is grieving on the inside of you, which is why you are so miserable. I say that with a smile. Isn't it great? I say it with a smile because I'm going to help you out of your misery. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 6, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in these things. These people do for once you were full of darkness, but now you have light that comes from the Lord. So live as people of light. It's as simple as that. Don't be fooled by people who tell you to tolerate sin. Don't participate in darkness. That's not who you are anymore. It said, live as people of light, live as who you are. You are the righteousness of God in Christ, not because of your perfect behavior, but because you received Jesus Christ. And now you have a choice. Are you going to live as who you are or how you used to be? You're going to be miserable if you live how you used to be. So live as people of light. You should be whole. You should be so thankful. The Holy Spirit makes you miserable when you sin. Seriously. Seriously. Otherwise, you'd be unaware of the darkness that's trying to overtake your life and pull you away from Jesus. He makes you fully aware of it by making you miserable. You're welcome. You're welcome. That's called love. Here's the next one. The Holy Spirit is eager to heal. Find me one time that Jesus refused to heal someone. I should hear those pages turning right now. (laughs) You won't find it. Why? Because it's always God's will to heal. But doesn't God use sickness to teach us? Won't he allow sickness in your life to lead you closer to him? No, that's all man-made religious nonsense with no scriptural backing. And don't tell me about your assumptions regarding the book of Job unless you can back them up with the life of Jesus. Jesus revealed the will of the Father, not Job. Come on, somebody. That's going to help you. And not one time did Jesus leave someone sick so that they could learn something. I'm not healing you today. you got to learn something. He never did that. Not once did he say sickness was a good way to draw people closer to God. Did you hear Jesus say that? Actually, he taught us the opposite. Healing is what draws people to God. Healing is what reveals God's goodness. It's always God's will will to heal. Always. The Holy Spirit is eager to continue the ministry of Jesus Christ, just like Jesus went about healing all who were oppressed of the devil. The Holy Spirit wants to do the same thing through us. That's why we must destroy this religious nonsense that we've heard about healing. As soon as we all get on the same page about God's will to heal every time, as soon as we all get on the same page, the Holy Spirit is going to minister healing through us and incredible miracles are just going to burst forth. So if you struggle with this, would you please, this is your pastor saying, please get into the word of God and renew your mind. This one dies hard for some reason. This religious stuff that we have in our minds about healing, get into the word of God, renew your mind. Because the reason we don't see healing more often is because we're struggling to get on the same page. But if we can get there, well, listen, it's not your fault either. I'm not trying to put the blame on you or shame you or anything like that. You were taught this nonsense. Got to undo that. And get into the word of God and renew your mind. Study healing until you're convinced that it's always God's will to heal. Go through the book of John. That's a great place to start. And study every time that Jesus healed somebody. Because Jesus reveals the will of the Father. Examine those healing miracles. It'll come clear to you. So just like Jesus went about healing all who would receive, the Holy Spirit is eager to minister healing in us and through us. I got one more for you today. The Holy Spirit is not in a hurry. Here we are. Our pace in life is so ungodly. I bet we're always getting side-eyed by the Holy Spirit, like, what are you doing? What is this? We leave with just enough time to get where we need to go, assuming that nothing's going to slow us down, although it usually does. And then we raise our blood pressure and get our heart beating because we're just trying to get somewhere and then we're late anyway. Some of you all used to do that to church. But you've learned to show up a little early so you can get a seat. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Speaking of, thank you for your cooperation with our new process for latecomers. We implemented something where we only let you in at certain parts of the service. This isn't to punish you for being late. It may feel like a punishment, but it's not to punish you. It's so that you don't punish other people who are in here worshiping God who showed up on time because you decided to be late. Oh, man, that, that just sounded like a dad or something. <laughs> because around here, we respect each other and we serve each other well, and that's how we do it. So thank you. I like how it only took two weeks of that, and then everybody miraculously showed up on time and the room was full before worship started. And thank you, Gina, for implementing that and taking the heat of a new process. That's not so fun. So not only are we rushing here and there, but we're constantly striving to get to the next income bracket. We're always on our phones trying to connect with people. Y'all, we don't even have a blank moment in the bathroom. What do we do? We sit on the loo and we pull out our phone. What are we doing? What are we doing? Like, here's what our life is supposed to look like in Psalm chapter 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. This is the picture of the believer. When was the last time you sat down without your phone, with the TV off, and just enjoyed the peace of God? When was the last time you went and sat by the lake or the pond or your pool or whatever and enjoyed the peaceful waters? When was the last time you laid down in that green field? Well, they're not green right now, and when they are green, they have chiggers, so we don't do that around here. (laughs) But you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Can you sense the Holy Spirit leading you into a more peaceful life? So when are you going to make the change? When am I going to make the change? Because that psalm, this psalm does not reflect my life. When we moved five months ago, it took me two months. Two months to walk to my pond and enjoy the peaceful waters. I didn't go visit that pond one time in two months because I was so busy. I moved on to more land so that I could have some space. And then I didn't even take advantage of it. That's ridiculous. I'm making changes and the changes are challenging to my carnal mind. The Holy spirit is calling me to create space in my life. He says, Hey, how about some margin? How about some quiet moments with nothing to do and nowhere to go? What over and over you'll find Jesus disappearing into the wilderness to spend time with the father. Those are some of my favorite stories about Jesus. He didn't tell the disciples how long he'd be. <laughs> he didn't tell them where he, where he was going. And I think the Chosen, if you've been watching that, does a great job portraying that. They'd come up to the disciples and, where's Jesus? We don't know. When will he be back? We don't know. <laughs> so even the most important man to walk the earth prioritized quiet moments with God. His job was never done. There was always people to heal. There was always more to teach The people needed to hear more. People always expected him to be around. The disciples thought they had a right to know where he was going and how long he would be gone. Instead of going on with the endless hustle, which is courtesy of human nature, by the way, Jesus chose God's pace, a much slower pace, a pace that makes space for God and brings peace into your life. He was able to do this because he fully trusted the father. He wasn't thinking about money. He wasn't thinking about how to become more prosperous or how to build a bigger ministry. Seems like you should have, or maybe not. He lived a simple life. He did what the father told him to do. Nothing more, nothing less. He demonstrated that when you seek the kingdom of God first, all the stuff is added to you. All the money, the team, everything you need to accomplish, what God's asking you to do, he adds that to you because you're seeking him first. The Holy Spirit will never lead you into a busy life. If your life is busy, it's because there's things in your life that didn't come from the Father. You're likely trying to fill your plan and God's plan at the same time. It's not easy to abandon your own plans because there's a good chance they're good plans. I know you guys in this room, they're good plans. You guys are doing good things. You probably even have others telling you to keep hustling because what you're doing is so good. Keep going, keep going. But even good things are worthless when they distract you from God's purpose for your life. So fulfilling God's purpose requires your full attention. He didn't give you a part-time purpose. He gave you a full-time Purpose, And when you accept the job, it comes with amazing benefits. So we're going to become a church that knows how to shave off the excess, even when it's good things, so that we give God our full attention. It may not make financial sense. It may not make sense to those around us, but that's okay, because we know when we seek the kingdom of God first, what's he going to do? Take care of the stuff. When doing your own thing, you have to find prosperity, You have to go hunt it down and kill it, right? And bring it home. But when you prioritize God's purpose, prosperity comes and it finds you. You used to have to make yourself prosperous and now God is making you prosperous. So January 31st was my last day working on a project that I've worked on for over 10 years. It represented half of my working hours and half of my business revenue. This decision... Makes no financial sense. I could think of many reasons that I should not have done this, and I had many opportunities to backtrack on the decision. But I know it's the right decision because it's what the Father wants. Why would I question what the Father wants? Do I have more business sense than He does? Do I know what the future holds? Is my ability to reason superior to his infinite wisdom? Kids do this to their parents, especially teenagers. Somehow they convince themselves that they're smarter than their parents. As you become older, you realize how stupid you were as a teenager. Wow. And how you really didn't know anything. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So to all the teens in the room, the sooner you recognize this, the better. I am just going to tell you right now. And all the parents were saying, hey, man, do you hear Pastor Cade? Do you hear him? He's talking to you. Now, teens, listen, because this one's for your parents. Even as adults, we do the same thing to God that teenagers do to their parents. He leads us to do something, and we question it. Really, God, is that really what you want me to do? We wonder if he really knows what he's doing. Do you really know what you're doing? I mean, seriously. We're literally foolish teenagers who think we know better than our Heavenly Father. (laughs) Wow, it's time for that to change. You like that, Parker, huh? So when the Holy Spirit leads us to do something, we should simply reply, absolutely, yes. I delight in obeying your commands because I trust that you'll take care of me. Absolutely, yes. And when your mind pipes up and says, well, how are you going to make that work financially? How are you going to make that work? You reply, I don't have to answer that. God said he would take care of this stuff. So let's move into a new level of trust today. Let's start responding to God with an emphatic, yes, I'll do that. Our heavenly father knows what he's doing. And he promised to take care of all this stuff. Man, that was good, wasn't it? Help us get God's word out to everyone who needs it by partnering with us financially. Your generous giving is what enables us to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Visit nolimits.fyi to give securely online. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a message. And thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.